Storm Bowling Products. The Bowler's Company presents the Storm Collegiate Spotlight with Steve Klimkin and Tim Berg. Storm's Executive Director of Marketing and Above180.com's Tim Berg are going to introduce a variety of collegiate players, coaches, and key people involved in promoting the sport of bowling. Now, here's Coach K and Tim Berg. Joining us today on the Storm Collegiate Spotlight podcast is Francois Lavoie. Francois recently won his second U.S. Open title. Francois bowled collegiately at Wichita State University. Francois, it's Tim Berg and Coach K. Steve Klempkin here. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. All right, well, Francois, fresh off your second U.S. Open win in North Carolina, have you had? has it had a chance to sink in a little bit? And, and is there anything you'd like to say? Can you put what this win means to you in words? No, it's really hard to. I've been trying. I've been uh, I've been doing a few interviews with radio stations back home, and um, it's really tough. I mean, I've I've thought about it. I, you know, the it, the closest I can come up with is the winning the first one was was a dream come true, and um, you know, I didn't really think that things were going to get much better than that, and. Um, I guess it. I guess things did get better than that. I won the second one. Um, I think. Uh, I think I'm going to need a few more days and maybe a few more weeks to to really digest it fully. Well, let's talk just a little bit about you know how the season's been for you. We've chatted a little bit, kind of throughout the year, just kind of talking about what you've been uh, seeing and going through, and maybe strategies and ball motion, that kind of stuff, or what you're looking for and what you're getting, and just kind of walk us through what uh, what was going on earlier in the year and uh, what were you feeling like going into this year's U.S. Open? What kind of expectations did you have? Mm-hmm. Well, earlier in the year, I was uh, I was struggling quite a bit. I was kind of getting caught up in uh, just doing doing things that I wasn't comfortable with, trying to do too much to... Um, almost adapt to what everybody else is doing. Um, you know, if you look at most of the guys on tour, they all have a higher rev rate than me. And I, um, I was trying to, in a way, match what their ball motion was like and uh, try to play the lanes like everybody else was. It just felt like I was getting trapped with a lower rev rate with the front part of the lane that hooked too early. And then once I did get far enough left with, with everybody else, I didn't quite have the rev rate to necessarily get the ball back from so far right down the lane. So um, I was trying to change a lot of things in my physical game. I was trying to slow my footwork down to try to slow my ball speed down, maybe even lower my arm swing, um, change the shape of my swing. That's That's been an ongoing issue for me, my swing. And so I I've, I've, was really working on trying to get uh, – trying to get a straighter swing, trying to get different shapes out of my, my swing. And it was just, it was just messing with me even more than, um, you know, more than it should have. So I, I got, uh, I guess I got pretty lost in that. And eventually, you know, I, I said, I can't keep doing this. I, I've got to figure out either, either I'm going to, either I'm going to nail this, I'm going to figure out how to do what I want to do or, or, uh, option B, which is the one we kind of decided to go with was to just go back to what, uh, go back to what I'm comfortable with and do what I know how to do, which is, you know, play, uh, 
play straighter angles through the front part of the lane, typically with a little bit lower rev rate, and um, see see if I can't use different hand positions and different balls to get uh, to get to the pocket rather than try to change my entire physical game because it was it wasn't working at all and it was it was actually affecting my mental game as well. Yeah, so let's talk. So then we head into the U.S. Open. Your second block, you come out and shoot a monster block, 360 over. Was that kind of when you you thought, okay, I, I, I'm back to where I want to be physically and then mentally as well? Or, or were you still kind of in that mindset of, I, I don't know where I am yet, and I'm, I'm just going to take the great block and see where things go from here? Honestly, I didn't really think about I didn't really think about, uh, about it like that in, in in those terms, at least at the U.S. Open when I had the the big block. I I think it came earlier in the year. I think I, I've been feeling a little more comfortable for a while now. Um, the struggles that I'm talking about really came in the heart of the PBS season. So January and February, that's when that's when all of that happened. But um, since then, you know, since the end of the tour season, since, since the Masters, really, so the end of March, maybe. I've been I've been feeling a lot better. I've been bowling better. I've been getting better results. I've been scoring better, seeing more consistent ball shapes. Um, you know, closer to what I'm used to seeing, and closer to what I know I can. Uh, closer to the level I know I can perform at. So it, it's not like really the whole year was bad, and then all of a sudden it it turned around at the U.S. Open. I think it's been. It's been a tough start to the year, and then uh, we started the process of sort of uh, getting getting back to basics and going back to what I feel comfortable doing. And since then, it's been going a lot better. And really, the U.S. Open as a whole, I, I don't really like to think uh, in separate days or uh, I'll just treat the, the entire week as a whole, I think, was the culmination of all that all that work that was put in physically and mentally to get back to um, the, the elite level that I want to be at. Now you hit on something that I think a lot of the, a lot of players, uh, you know, a lot of competitive players, even at the tour level really don't talk about a lot, which are some of these other type of fine tuning adjustments with like hand and wrist position and stuff. I think a lot of times players jump right away to ball a or ball B or make big moves on the lane, but don't necessarily consider what some of those hand options are. Do you have a, a specific uh, kind of uh, system, you know, that you use for, you know, position A, B, C, and D that, that do this? And is that something that you, you see in other players as well that you think they need to, need to consider rather than just always jumping to the next ball or making a big move left or right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, per- personally, actually, changing balls isn't uh, – it's not the first thing I'll do. It's it's uh it's further down it's further down the list than that i'll i'll usually start with different uh different hand changes one of the things i do a lot is play around with uh play around with grip pressure and different types of releases so those those two things combined i can i can change the ball motion um significantly if you if you look at all sorts of combination you can do with grip pressure and hand positions at the release point so um I'll usually if I have if I have good ball motion with one ball and then all of a sudden I start going through the face a few times um you know I can I can start moving left and if it goes through the face again or if it doesn't look good maybe there's something else that can be done to keep that good ball motion that I've had 
for a little bit longer before trying a different ball because, you know, chances are things don't go from good to bad immediately. Uh, it's uh, it's a little more gradual than that, I like to think. So if you're able to manipulate, uh, you know, adding a little more rotation or coming coming up behind the ball a little bit more or uh, softening up the grip pressure to get the ball to go through the front a little bit, those little things can really can really make a big difference when when you've had a good ball reaction with the ball and you think it's going away when really all, all you need is just a little bit a little something different at the release point um, and then if that doesn't work then usually that's when I'll that's when I'll try to look at a different ball but I, I usually I usually give it about a three frame rule I, I try I try something for two or three frames and then if then if I still don't like what I see I'll I'll switch balls and one of the things you know we saw speaking of switching balls we saw on the show um, was that you know Sean Rash for example he went through three or so different balls I think Simonson did as well and so did Bill O'Neill and in Jason you know Belmonte as well went through three different balls all just within one game and uh, you know I think we saw you sticking with that uh, roto grip idol um, you know, for every shot, and uh, so it sounds like maybe that's a little bit of the of the key. Even though it looked like you were playing kind of a similar part of the lane on on both lanes, um, that maybe you were utilizing some of these other fine tuning, you know, adjustments where where the other players were looking for uh, different balls to do it for them. Yeah, I think. Um, I mean, as far as the the TV show goes, I think I I uh, I went with a safe strategy. That's um, you know, I, I wasn't really looking to wasn't looking to win the tournament in the first two frames. I was I was on TV. I wasn't. Uh, you know, patience was a key throughout the week, and mm-hmm. uh, I really wanted to keep that in mind, even on the TV show. So I, I chose the the slowest ball that I had that gave me the smoothest, the most controllable shape. Because we all saw how difficult the lanes were. I mean it. It's not hard to tell if you're if you're watching some of the best bowlers in the world and they they have a hard time shooting 190 200. You know the, you know the lanes yeah. are pretty tough. So I really I really <laughs> decided to pick a shape that was very controllable and predictable. And um, maybe you know maybe it wasn't going to go through the pins the right way every time, but at least I was giving myself a chance by hitting the pocket, and that was the main focus. And, and I. And I knew if I if I did that, and if I threw ten good shots a game, then I'd be in a pretty good position because I didn't think the scores were going to go anywhere, and they didn't. Yeah, I noticed watching a little bit on Flow Bowling that you use that uh, Roto Grip Idol during match play as well a little bit. So it seemed like that was a ball that it may have been a different one. You'll have to explain that if it was or wasn't. But it seemed like that was a ball that you liked just because of, like you said, it slowed down and kept your kept the pocket in play for you during the week as well when, when things got real challenging. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's the ball that I used on fresh on that fourth pattern. The one, the last one, the one we bowled on in uh, cashers round and match play and on the TV show. That's the, the idol is the ball. I went, I went to uh, the first ball out of my bag every time because for that reason, like we've said, it's the most controllable one. And the pattern was so tricky that it, didn't really it didn't take much for it was pretty easy to split if you weren't doing the right thing and so the reason why i went with that idol is it just gave me the most margin for error that's really um i wanted to 
I wanted to find something that was going to allow me to miss a little bit and still not get into trouble immediately. So um, that's the ball that I used all week. It was the same one I used on the show. Um, I also used an IQ tour. That was the, the natural progression during match play was to go from the idol to the IQ tour. And I took a look at it in on the TV show in between the matches. Um, we also took a look at a phase two, but mm-hmm. those two balls just weren't quite, uh, I mean, it, it wasn't quite time to go to those. The idol was still working pretty well. Um, but yeah, the natural progression would have been to go to probably the IQ tour if, if the idol had gone away, but it never did. And you definitely made the right choice. I mean, you have the, you've got the check and the trophy to prove it. And so that, that was definitely the right choice. No questions asked the, uh, the, uh, one, you know, we are on the uh, Storm Collegiate Spotlight podcast, and you know, a lot of the collegiate tournaments that they bowl on are on more demanding sport conditions. Obviously, this was the, you know, the hardest test really in all of bowling. I mean, we're looking at what you, what you bowled on and what you just won there for your your second U.S. Open title. Uh, but what's based off of that knowledge on playing, you know, challenging, low-scoring lane conditions, um, demanding lane conditions? What do you recommend? that most of these uh, younger players and those that are in college competing right now uh, should be considering or looking at in order to, you know, maximize their performance when the, when the scoring pace is low. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, obviously the, the, the number one thing is spares. You, you can't, you can't get around uh, shooting spares. If you're not, if you're not sharp, if you're not shooting spares, you're going to miss, you're going to miss some spares and that, that leads to low scores. You know, it's, it's obvious we we can't say it enough either. It, you you just got to make your spares. So the most important ball in your bag really isn't the high performance ball. It's it's a spare ball or a urethane ball, whichever one you you throw at spares. Um, there's there's been a few games this week that I've shot you know 180 with only one open frame or 190 clean or 200 clean with only one double. Uh, those are the games that really keep you in in contention in a tournament when they're when they're so tough and you're able to grind and you're able to you're able to go to a pair that you don't really have a look on, but you're comfortable with your spare ball enough and, and you you're comfortable in your ability to shoot spares that you know even if you're not comfortable maybe you'll have a split and you'll have an open frame but for the most part you can. You can pretty much tell you're going to shoot 180 or 190 on the tough pairs. That's a huge advantage compared to other people who, you know, whose spare shooting is a little um, erratic at times. They'll that same game for someone who misses a spare or two turns into 160, 170. So the most important thing is to get comfortable with your spare ball, obviously. Then, um, I mean, in in college when I bowled, we we had a five ball rule. I I think it's still that way can't really have more than five balls so Mm -hmm. it's really important to know your arsenal to know the differences between every ball in your bag you don't want two balls to overlap to have similar shapes that are too similar you don't want two balls that are uh, you know you don't want two strong asymmetrical balls because then you're just you're you're wasting you're wasting space in your bag you're wasting shapes that you can create on the lane um, now, as far as when you're bowling on really tough patterns, you really want some controllable motions. You, you're not looking to strike every frame. Um, you're looking to hit the one three. That's 
that was my big thing in the U.S. Open, and that's that's a big thing. Every time I see that the lanes are hard, I'm just trying to control the pocket. That's that's huge. So a ball like an idol that's really slow with maybe a little bit of surface on it to get it to um, to to can get it even more controllable. Something like that's really important too. Well, two-time U.S. Open winner and Wichita State alum Francois Lavoie, I want to thank you for being here today on the Storm Collegiate Spotlight Podcast. All the best of luck moving forward, and we will certainly be catching up with you again down the road. Thank you very much. I appreciate it.